Good morning. Greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we come together today to look into God's Word, um, we have been going through Philippians, uh, looking at the, the series of life in Christ. We went from chapter 1, going with it, and until chapter 4. Today is the last uh, sermon on, on this uh, uh, letter. So we're looking at the final greetings, uh, verse 21 until verse 23 of chapter 4. Let us look at God's word as we consider what it says to us this morning from chapter 4, Philippians, verse 21 until verse 23. And uh, the title of today is a question that I think we need to ask ourselves and to ask even Paul as we consider all that he has said and even his setting and in his circumstance. The question for the title today is, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Let us read God's word. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is God's word. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, as we draw near to your word, we pray that you will bring us closer so that we can love you dearer, walk with you more nearer, O oh Lord. We pray that you bless our hearts even as we consider all that you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' blessed name, amen. Was it worth it? You see, four years before Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, he wrote an epistle to the church in Rome. By that time, he hadn't met the believers in Rome face to face, and in the epistle, he expressed his desire to visit them. And the reason for his visit was clear from the beginning. In Romans chapter 1, verse 15, he says to the church in Rome, So I am eager to preach the gospel also to, to you also who are in Rome. The, the, the statement that Paul says in, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 15, should not just pass without due consideration. You see, Rome was was one of the places where Christians were under severe persecution and threat. To be a Christian in Rome was equal to signing a death warrant. Sunday after Sunday, we pray for countries where Christianity, um, where where, where persecution is worse. And and in that setting, uh, during the first century, in Rome, Rome was number one, was the number one place where Christians were most persecuted. And Paul was aware of all this before going to Rome. He knew about Christians who were being fed to lions, Christians who were being beheaded for their faith, Christians who were covered in tar and set on fire because of their faith. He knew all that, yet he was not deterred. He was was not discouraged. He was still eager to go to Rome and preach the gospel. He was still eager to go with the gospel to Rome. 
When Paul expressed his desire to go to Rome, there probably was a few people who advised him against it. Well-meaning people who loved him and did not want to see him putting his life in danger. They probably gave him that kind of advice. He say, Paul, don't go. You, you know that in Rome you, you might be killed. You, 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 you might be uh, uh, prosecuted and, and, and taken to jail and, 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 and killed for your faith. Please don't go. With a man of your skill and your giftings, you, you could do much for the kingdom of God. You could go somewhere else where there's no persecution and preach the gospel. Don't go to Rome. Yet Paul still went to Rome. As he writes this epistle, we know what happened, right? We, we know where he is, right? He is in, in chains in a Roman prison with a possibility of being executed for the gospel which he was eager to preach. The people who warned him about what will happen, it happened, right? He's in jail. He's probably awaiting trial and he is sure that it might result in his death. That's what he said in chapter one, right? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He knew that he might die. To, to make matters worse, there are, there are people driven by jealousy who are trying to make prison more unbearable for him in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 17. The question that begs to be asked in the final analysis, when we have heard all that Paul has said, is, was it worth it? Was it really worth it? Was going to Rome worth it when it resulted in imprisonment and pain? You see, we live in a culture that is accustomed to comfort and safety. We, we avoid anything that seems to undermine our comfort and our safety. We, we frown upon anything that requires great sacrifice. So from a 21st middle class uh, cultural perspective, the answer to the question is no. It was not worth it. If your life was at stake, it was not worth it. The, the sacrifice was not worth it. But I believe that Paul would answer this question with a big yes. It was worth it. It was all worth it. And, and this perspective that must shape is a perspective that must shape every Christian. When we look at all that, 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 that Paul has said, and, and in the final analysis, as, as we look at these greetings, we must be shaped by the very same perspective. To have this perspective as a Christian, one must be marked by two things. Two things, and I want us to look at them as we look at these passages. A love for the church and a confidence in the gospel. Let us look at the first one, a love for the church. Look at verse 21. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. So it is interesting to note in the final greetings the affection that Paul had for the church of Christ. 
He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The, the brothers who are with me greet you. Uh, this letter was to be, to be read publicly to the church by the elders. And Paul wants, them, wants to make sure that they know they are in his heart. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. This means, that, this means more than just merely saying hello on his behalf. Steve Lawson explains that the idea conveyed is to communicate the warmth of his affection for the Philippians. He, he means to extend to them his fervent love for them. As the letter is read, Paul wants them to know his deep love for them. When you think about church, especially looking at this word, the biblical definition of a church is not a place, but a people, right? It is a people whose lives have been transformed through the gospel and seek to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. That the church is a redeemed community. Paul uses the words saints to refer to them, and he wants them to know that every one of them is in his heart. It is interesting that Paul uses the word every instead of the word all. Because if he was to use the word all, he would be referring to, to the church corporately. But now he uses the word every. And, and this word gives us the idea that he loves each and every single member of the church. That every single member of the church is in his heart. He also says, the brothers who are with me greet you. Now, on the surface, this verse seems like it's just greetings, right? It has nothing to teach us of significance except the importance of greeting one another. And, and greeting one another is a biblical command. It's important, right? But that is not just the case. Paul's passion to see the spiritual growth and progress of the church, he wanted to see the, the, the spiritual growth and, and progress of the church. So uh, uh, he, in his heart, he, he wanted believers to become more and more like Christ. And, and consider his reason for, for going to Rome, for wanting to go to Rome. In, in Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, he says this to, to the church in Rome as he writes. Remember that it was four years before he, he wrote this letter to the Philippians. He says, for I long to see you, that I, imp that, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. The idea that Paul has in mind here is the strengthening and edification that comes through the preaching of the gospel. Although at the end of the day he is in prison, but he has no regret because the church in Rome has been edified and strengthened that he thinks that it was worth it. When he says, the, the brothers who are with me greet you and greet every saint, he, he, he shows that he had communicated with the brothers in Rome, right? The, the brothers in Rome had been edified, that, that Paul was all out for, 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 for the spiritual growth of the church, for the progress of the church, that he, he didn't care that it ended with him being in prison. For him, it was all worth it because the brothers were edified. Right? The, the, the brothers were benefited spiritually. Now, I wonder 
personally about you? Are you, are you characterized by a love for the church? Are you, is, is that one of the things that mark you as a believer? Do you love the church of Christ? And how can you grow in this area if you are failing in this area? Let, let me just give you two, two suggestions. Just two suggestions. First, commit your life to, to pray for the church, to, to pray for the leaders that God has elected, and, and to pray for fellow members, to pray for fellow believers. Make it your goal to always bring them before the Lord, right? And, and make it your goal to pray. Simple as that. When you pray for someone, it's an expression of love. Secondly, second suggestion, avail yourself to serve with your resources, to serve with your gifts, to serve with your time, with your talents and your skills. The, the goal of all these is to see the progress and growth of the church of Christ. Pray and avail yourself. You see, our love for the church is inspired by Christ's love for his church. That's where it starts. We, we love the church because Christ loves his church. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul, Paul talks to the, to, to the, to the elders in, in Ephesus, and he says this. Listen to what he says. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27, when Paul talks about husbands' love for their wives, he uses the perfect example of Christ loving the church. And listen to what he says about Christ's love for the church. He says, husbands, love your wives. How do you love your wife? Love your wife like Christ. He says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor with, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Christ loves his church. He loves his church and, and he, his love was, was, was shown and manifested in a sacrificial way. It was, it, it was, it was shown in a sanctifying way. It was shown in, 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 in the way that he would wash her with, with the word of God. He would use the word of God to sanctify and prepare her for glory. Christ loved his church. And if we are believers, we will love the church of Christ. Amen. That is the perspective that formed the mind of Paul as he, he went to Rome, even though he knew it would result in his death. Secondly, the second perspective that, that shaped his mind was a confidence in the gospel. A, a confidence in the gospel. Look at verse, verse 22. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
Paul was marked by a confidence in the gospel. In Romans chapter chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. You see, Paul was aware of the dangers involved in going to Rome. He knew that his life would be under threat, but he also knew the power of the gospel. He was confident in that. His desire to preach the gospel in Rome was greater than the dangers involved. In other words, his confidence was greater than his fears. The greeting in verse 22 shows us the transforming power of the gospel. He says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. We usually miss these greetings, right? We usually read through them like, I'm done, I'm done with with this letter. And and we, we, we read through them without even considering them. It's like genealogies. We so-and-so gave birth to so-and-so and, and so, so on and so forth, and we, we just forget them and, 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 and don't spend time just considering what the Word of God is saying to us. See, when you look at this greeting, you can see that God in his sovereignty had planned Paul's trip to Rome in such a way that he would enter Rome as a prisoner. It was in God's sovereign plan. And this meant that God had positioned him in a place where he would be able to reach people that he would not normally reach with the gospel. Look at this passage. Those in Caesar's household. Those of Caesar's household. The term Caesar's household does not only refer to the immediate members of of Caesar's family, but it is broader than that. It includes slaves, cooks, food tasters, musicians, custodians, builders, stablemen, accountants, soldiers, guards, judges, messengers, and heralds. It includes all those people. It it was a large number of people who were at the service of Caesar. And in, in this number of people, many came to hear the gospel and receive it. Normally, under normal circumstances, they would be they, they, they would not be able to hear the gospel. Think about the 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 the, 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 the one who was chained to Paul, the, the soldier that was uh, uh, chained to to Paul to guard him. Each and every day, he was chained to him. He would not normally hear the gospel unless he was chained to Paul. So God in his sovereignty appointed Paul to go to Rome as a prisoner so that this man would be chained to him and this man would hear the gospel. Just imagine even this man as Paul writes this letter to the Philippians and say, Paul, send my greetings to my fellow brothers and sisters in Philippi. The cooks would hear that Paul is writing a letter. The guards would hear that Paul is writing a letter. The musicians, and they would say, Paul, send out greetings to the believers. And and Paul says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Walter Hansen explains that these simple greetings bear an implicit message to the Philippians. 
imperial power cannot stop the power of the gospel. Even while Paul in a Roman prison and, 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 believers, and the believers in Philippi are suffering under imperial authorities, the gospel is claiming the allegiance of imperial agents. The greetings for, for, from those who belong to Caesar's household point to the day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This should remind us of Paul, Paul's confident declaration in chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, when he writes this letter to the Philippians. He says to them, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The Philippians were thinking, Paul, this is an unfortunate circumstance. And Paul was saying, I want you to know that it's not unfortunate. I want you to know that it has worked out to advance the gospel. In other words, Paul did not see his imprisonment as a random, unfortunate circumstance, but as God, as a God-ordained means to reach out to people with the gospel. So when he was in prison, he did not sulk and, and complain, but he proclaimed the gospel to anyone who would hear it, which resulted in Caesar's household coming to faith in Christ and being counted among the saints. Although he was imprisoned, the gospel was not in chains. Amen. The gospel was never bound. The power of the gospel will reach out to places where we think it cannot reach. It will break the stony hearts. It will melt the hearts that are hard. Confidence in the gospel. One of the reasons why people are afraid to evangelize or sharing the gospel is that they are afraid how those people might respond, right? We are afraid our people around us will respond to, to what we're saying to them. And let us diagnose that, that fear. At the heart of that fear, that the fundamental problem is not really fear. The fundamental problem is that we have no confidence in the gospel. That is the fundamental problem. We are crippled by fear to evangelize because we have no, no fear, no, no, no confidence in, in the gospel. But, but it is important to come to, under, to the understanding that evangelism, in evangelism, you are not in control of the response, but in sharing the gospel. Yes, we want people to come to Christ, but we cannot make them come to Christ. We, we cannot break their stony heart, right? But we share the gospel with the confidence that we know it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. God is in charge of the gospel. He's in charge of the response. When people refuse the gospel, it is not you that they are refusing. When people accept the gospel, it is not you that they are accepting. It is God. Our responsibility is to share the gospel. 
Your goal is to share the gospel. One of the ways that we, we can cultivate confidence in the gospel is to meditate on how it has transformed your life personally. Just think about that. Right? We, we sing about it. We sing about the amazing grace of God that saved a wretch like me. When I was lost, I'm now found. I was blind, but now I see. We, we, we sing about this amazing grace. We, 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 we sing about how uh, the, the old has gone and, and the new has come. We, we sing about how the gospel has transformed our lives, how the grace of God has made us debtors. We sing about all that, right? About how we experienced the changing power of the gospel. About how we were sinners. But now, we are walking in the light of God. Now we are saved. Now we have names that have been given to us. Names of honor like children of God. Like saints. Like we, we, we have been given names like heirs of heaven, heirs of God. Not because we deserved any of it. Actually, the Bible says we were dead in sins and trespasses. But, but God, being, being, being rich in mercy and, and full of love, has made us alive, right? He has saved us. We, we, we meditate on the gospel. The transforming power of the gospel that has changed us personally. Paul did the same thing. He meditated on the gospel. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says this, I thank him, I thank God who has given me strength. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly, listen to Paul as he gives his testimony, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invincible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, hey, the gospel changed me. And it is clear that it can change others. So let's ask the question again. Paul, was going to Rome worth it? Was it worth it? Yes. It was worth it. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you. We thank you for the power of the gospel 
that tells us that you have purchased your church with your blood and you still call many, O oh Lord, to yourself. We pray, Father, help us to have hearts that love your church and seek to see the growth and the establishment of your church. Hearts that are confident in the gospel and in your sovereignty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.